Welcome into episode 14 of Inside the Arc. I am your host, Alec Bussey, and uh, not joined by Brandon Simberg tonight. He had to get some stuff finished for his Daily Illini story, but I am happy to be joined by Mike Latulip, former Illini walk-on and now head coach of the TBT team that the Illini play for, House of Pain, to recap Illinois' disappointing 66-63 to defeat to Maryland. Mike, first reaction, I guess, to this upset loss for Maryland. Maryland, if they finish in the top half um, of the Big Ten or, or even really around the top six, top seven, I think I think they're that good. They're tough. Um, they have some great players, and, and they're just kind of a product of a tough schedule. And um, it, But I thought the game itself, you know, I, I actually likened it to um, Rutgers' game earlier in the year against Ohio State. It was just kind of like nothing – you know, nothing seemed to be going right. Kind of a weird game. Trent gets hurt, you know, just like Jacob Young got hurt in that game. Um, you know, obviously in that game, Johnson got in foul trouble and, you know, fouled out in like 10 minutes left in the game. So that was a whole different story. But just a weird flow to this one. Uh, I thought Maryland did a good job of just kind of mucking it up and um, and making things a little difficult. Uh, you know, on Illinois, they go, you know, Maryland goes with that kind of small ball lineup and they, they wrote it there in the second half. And, um, you know, I thought maybe they could have thrown Georgie back in there a little bit, um, you know, but, but Hey, you have those great guards that, that Illinois has and you rely on them to make good decisions down the stretch. And I think there were a couple that, that they'd like back. And, and then you got DeMonte who, who's been lights out shooting the ball at the free throw line there at the end. And, um, you know, I'm sure those are two that, that he'd want back and, um, and maybe this, this game has a different feel to it if, uh, if he knocks down those two free throws, but you know, the, whether those two free throws go in or they don't, I mean, there's still things that this team needs to, to clean up on and, um, you know, and they'll get that, they'll get that shirt up. Um, I, I really don't, I don't consider this a, a bad loss to be honest. Um, because there could be many, like a lot worse losses in this league. Uh, but, but like I said before, this is going to be a loss that actually I think ends up aging well, because I think Maryland is going to continue, um, you know, to put together a pretty good Big Big Ten Conference slate or Big Ten Conference, um, I guess, performance. Uh, but, you know, you got to look. I mean, they played they played Rutgers. They played Iowa. They played Michigan. Um, they lost on the road to Purdue by three. They lost on the road to Indiana. So, I mean, they haven't. And then they played – they still play um, Nebraska twice. They still played Penn State twice. Um, so, just an interesting game overall. Odd flow, but um, – you know, it's kind of moving on to the next one here. No, Mike, it's funny that you compared this a little bit to the Rutgers game because I kind of thought it was similar to that as well in terms of obviously it wasn't as high scoring, but it had some of the same kind of tendencies. And Brandon mentioned this to me afterwards, and I had a hard time disagreeing with it, that Maryland kind of in a way reminded him of Baylor and not obviously in terms of the talent, but in terms of the size that they had and the way that they were able to play. And I know that Eric Ayala was out and I think that that probably had a little bit to do with it, but they basically played a lot of guys that were six foot five to six foot eight. And those are players that only has a tough time matching up with. I mean, Andre Curbelo is going to struggle to get to the rim and get shots off. That's a similar size as Io. You're looking at Demonte Williams. He's think even up four or five inches at a minimum. And, Obviously, Trent Frazier missed some time with his shoulder tonight. But do you think that that is maybe a weakness that this Illinois team really has and maybe needs to figure out moving forward is finding a way to overcome that tweener size player that's six foot six, six foot seven, six foot eight? Yeah. I mean, I think it's been kind of the storyline 
this year, to be honest. Like when you look at a guy like Ron Harper Jr. and you look at a guy like even even Ben Vanderplas from Ohio, like there was just a tough matchup. And um, you don't see too many of those guys in the, in the Big Ten, but you know there are there are a lot of guys that that you know can you know can kind of pose some matchup problems. And uh, and I, and I thought for the most part that's just throughout the season. And it's really tough when you have a guy like DeMonte who's about 6'3", and you're tasking him with having to guard those guys. Um, it it kind of makes everybody else on the defensive end uh, a little bit off kilter. And, and I think for the most part, you know, when you look at the Maryland team specifically, and I noticed it when they played Wisconsin when I was watching that game. I mean, their bench just has so much energy, um, and they really create that themselves. And um, and, I, and I think, too, like there, were just, there was just enough that went on tonight um, that, that handed Maryland that game and, and, and Illinois, luckily, you know, you'd rather be the team that says, you know what, we lost that game as opposed to, Hey, there wasn't anything we could do. Maryland was just that good. Um, there are a lot of things down the stretch. I thought, you know, they could have gotten a better look at the end, um, with Curbelo kind of shooting that turnaround and, you know, DeMonte has got to make those free throws and, um, a couple weird turnovers in, you know, after the under four media that Illinois had. So, um, you'd rather it be on on your team as much as that stinks and as much as you say, hey, we just lost that game. You know, those are things that can still be improved on. And, and you know, right now they're five and two in conference and still still right there and in, in the hunt um, to win the whole thing. So um, so you go to you go play Ohio State and, you know, try to get back on track here. So I was looking at the postgame box score, and I don't know if you have it in front of you, but. You look at what Kofi Coburn was able to do tonight, 8 of 10 from the field, 21 points. I think he threw in about 10 rebounds there as well. Seven of those, I think, were defensive. But in the second half, he only got two field goal opportunities. Do you feel like Illinois maybe needs to go to him more? I know in big-time play, he's averaging close to 20 points, I think over 20, and he's getting double-digit rebounds on a nightly basis in the Big Ten, too. Is that something that they need to attack more on the offensive end? Uh, I mean, I, I'm kind of a big believer that you you, ha- you you can't ever give a team a full steady dose of something, even, even if it's, you know, working like you, you just simply can't have your entire game plan. Every single possession be throwing the ball into Kofi. Um, he gave you eight for 10 and, um, you know, 21 and 10, uh, which is a great line. He had two blocks as well, but you know, ultimately you still need to get other guys going. Uh, Cause when it comes to the end of the game, how many times do you see Kofi taking, you know, the shots down the stretch and having the ball in his hands? Like you, you need those other guys to, to get going. I thought Adam Miller had it going a little bit, um, you know, which was good to see. Io kind of turned it on there in the second half. Um, I know he started two for 11. So, you know, I, I believe that would mean he'd finish the game about seven for 12. Um, but, but, you know, Trent, Trent was kind of invisible tonight. You know, he had five assists. DeMonte had five assists. So although both of them didn't score, they each had five assists. So, they're, you know, they're, they're making plays, and, and both of them had zero turnovers. So 10 assists, zero turnovers from DeMonte and Trent. You know what they're going to bring on the, on the defensive end. But um, this is the type of game where you need one of those guys, one of those other guys to step up. You know what you're getting from Kofi and Io. Um, you know, when, but when it comes down to, to – feeding Kofi what happens is it's a great plan you know to put you up in the up in the first half or or to keep it a close game in the first half and it kept him in the game for sure but in the second half if you continue to go to him every single possession um you know what if some of those shots don't start falling and then and then you know if he you know if it does come to the point where where they just start following him and saying you know 
to hell with it. We're just going to send them to the line. Yeah. Like you're talking about a 54% free throw shooter. Um, so, you know, you have to find ways to kind of just, you know, stymie that and, and make sure that you're not just throwing the same. It was, it was what, it was what hurt Illinois in the Mizzou game. Cause you went ISO, you went IO, ISO, IO, ISO. And then when, once it got to the end of the game, Drew Smith is smart enough defender. He picked up on all that. Um, and he was able to slide over and take those charges and he was able to, to kind of pick up on what he was doing. And, and, you know, and it's the same thing that goes for post defense. When you have a guy like Kofi and you keep going into him, yes, he's dominant, but you know, maybe you're putting him in harm's way for fouls and, and offensive fouls. And now you're, now you're, you don't want Kofi at the free throw line too much. So I didn't really have a, an issue with it because you still want to play the game and play within the flow of the game. And I thought just as important was getting IO going, which is exactly what happened. Because I think if, even if you went into Kofi and he didn't have the same first half, you know, people would be asking the question, why didn't, why didn't we have IO, you know, um, you know, in the weave action, or why do we have IO taking some shots? So, you know, if it's not one thing, it's another thing. And, and, you know, Illinois has got good enough players where they don't have to rely on, on one guy to, to win them the game. Something to me that I think really stuck out tonight and even against Northwestern a little bit too, is the way teams are starting to defend Andre Curbelo. They seem to start, they seem to have started to really go under ball screens and force him to bring the ball out and either shoot or find another person on the perimeter instead of allowing him to drive to the basket and create. What's the next level for him and his game to kind of get over this difficult stretch where teams clearly are finding some effective ways to guard him offensively? Yeah, I actually think what you know that type of approach from other teams is actually I think is going to end up helping Andre because you got to think for a guy like him if you're going to lay off of him and you're not going to guard him or you're going to go under it's basically like giving a quarterback a clean pocket and we know how how lethal he is passing the ball and um that's what dynamic players do where it really doesn't matter how you guard them they're you know they're at the they're at an advantage um you know I, I think there's certain points where you know, I, I think he's a good enough shooter to really, he just needs to trust it and have some more confidence. Um, you know, he's, he's right around 80% from the free throw line. Um, so, you know, he's capable of shooting it. Um, and then when you look at, you know, what he's been able to do uh, getting to the basket, I don't think he had any issue getting to the basket tonight. It was just more, once he got down there, you know, they had a little bit of length and were throwing some bodies at him. So um, he just needs to continue to be patient and kind of take what's, you know, take what's there, take what's given to him, um, you know, and, and he'll be just fine. Something else that to me really stuck out, and you mentioned it a little bit earlier with getting Georgie Bishanish Philly back in the game and Underwood mentioned it after the game as well about getting him more opportunities. He's now had, I think, two or three pretty rough games in a row. How important do you think it is to get him back on a positive stretch as Illinois heads into Nebraska on, I believe, Wednesday. Yeah, I think uh, – and I think I said this last year at one point with with Georgie is Georgie's always the guy that's picking other people up. Um, you know, and, and what happens is, you know, you always wonder if the therapist has a therapist. And uh, a guy like Georgie, you know, it's weird because when he gets down on himself um, – at times you don't see guys rushing over to pick him up um, like he does for everybody else. And I, I think just as, you know, when you think of people that do those types of things, right? Like people that, that make certain decisions, make those decisions because it's what's important to them. So if, you know, if I'm his teammate, I'm thinking, man, if he's the guy that runs over and picks everybody up, you know, maybe he's the guy that 
you know, that needs that. And, and, and I think, um, you know, and I, and I know his teammates do that. And the coaching staff obviously has confidence in him. You showed what he's capable of um, against Baylor. But but again, you know, that was a that was a game where Kofi was in foul trouble. And, you know, Georgie knows he's not coming out. Um, it's a whole different psychology and a whole different mentality when you know that you don't have another guy running the scores table to get you out. Um, you know, I, I thought Georgie tonight, uh, you know, he missed a couple of those bunnies early and it had frustrated him. You saw him come out of the game and, you know, Underwood kind of pulls him aside and, uh, uh, you know, pulls him close and, and gives him some words of encouragement, but, um, but they're going to need him down the stretch. Um, you know, he played seven minutes tonight and, um, you know, that's, that's not typical of Georgie. Uh, but, but I think you're going to see a game here. He, he's going to win them a game here in conference play. Um, you know, whether it's Kofi being in foul trouble or, or, or them trying to use that kind of twin tower type lineup, um, which I think could benefit them against certain teams, but um, he's going to be important for them down the stretch. So, you know, for him to get, you know, back on the right track, I think would, uh, you know, would suit the Illini well. One other thing I kind of really want to hit on is we've seen IO. I know, I know he played really well in the second half today, but he went two of 11 in the first half and he had seven points, I think at halftime, but three of them were from the free throw line. He's finished with 23 points, and I think he was 9 of 23 from the field, hit a couple threes as well. This is a more characteristic game for him numbers-wise, but previous two games were a little bit down. I think he had 12, and I think he had 15 against Purdue and Northwestern. Um, What does he need to do, or what have you maybe seen opponents do to kind of try and slow him down a little bit in this recent four- or five-game stretch? Well, they're, they're certainly loading up on him um, and kind of making him get, get the ball out of his hands. I think the one thing that, that I said after the Baylor game for Iowa and the reason why at times his numbers and his field goal percentage, you know, why he has those two for 11 starts at times is he's so athletic and he's so, you know, he's so long that he can get really any running shot that he wants. Um, you know, those little floaters that he does from – you know, from nine, 10 feet out, you know, that he tries to throw high off the glass or, or even those straight on runners that he has. But I think, you know, what he could do a better job of is, is really mixing in some, some jump stops and some pivots. You know, I think he, he's tall enough and um, has enough length to shoot over people and, and use his strength to, to even get down in the low post. I, I actually think that he's a guy that if you can run um, kind of like Wisconsin does when they have a little bit of that swing action, if you can get him in the low post, like he, he typically has a mismatch um, physically and with some size. And I actually don't think it's a bad idea, you know, maybe to have some, you know, some one-off plays where you have him cutting through the lane and, and turning and whipping and, and, and throwing it right into him. Maybe you have Georgie who's tall and can pass and um, you almost have a high low situation with Georgie and IO and, and getting him under the rim like that, put some pressure on the defense. Um, you know, you, you take him away from having the ball in his hands and, and getting loaded up on. Um, but I think that's something that they could probably mix in, um, throw it to him under there and, and have him go up strong. Um, you know, as opposed to having him rely on, on coming off the dribble and shooting all these, you know, these runners that he's shooting. Um, those are tough shots. Um, you know, those are, those are professional level shots that he hits most of the time, but he'll have these rough patches and that's kind of what it's attributed to. I mean, he, like you see him, he was two for five. Um, he's two for five from three and seven for 18 from two. So, you know, how can we get easier ones? How can we, uh, put him in a position where he's, he's, you know, shooting a higher percentage. 
um, from two, the two point area because, because quite frankly, he's capable of it. It's funny. You mentioned the jump shots, jump stops and pivots. You sound like my dad when I was still playing. That's was like his message every time was Alec jump stop, jump stop, jump stop, pivot. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing with, yeah, we always did it when I was at Wright State. We started every practice doing it. Um, and and I, I don't say jump stop where you didn't make it some like deliberate, you know, <laughs> yeah. YMCA type thing. But what I, what I mean is, um, you know, one of the best guys at it in terms of pivoting in, in the NBA is Rajon Rondo. Um, they literally call it the Rondo where, you know, he'll drive and kind of lead the ball out and then turn around and, and shoot a little floater. Um, and that's something that I think Io can even mix into his game. Um, you know, and, and honestly, Andre Corbello does a pretty good job of it when he can get in the paint. Um, you know, he's a little bit more undersized, so he needs to have moves like that where he can create space to get his shot off. But, you know, I think Io knows right now that he doesn't have to do that because he's so physically gifted. Um, but I think it'll serve him well to get just a little bit easier shots off for him um, and, and make him a tad more, I say a tad more efficient, you know, going into this game, he was, you know, 52% from the field and or 51% from the field, 42 from three, 82 from the line. So he's about as efficient as it gets, but, um, but he can take that to another level because he's, he's that talented. Let's focus on a little bit of a positive. Uh, we've now seen Adam Miller, <laughs> They get a little hot. I think he scored 10 against Indiana, maybe Purdue, mixing it up here a little bit. I think 10 against Purdue. Um, I think he had a 15 against Northwestern. And then tonight he finished with nine. He's starting to stack some better performances. He was three of five from three tonight. What have you kind of seen from him? Because in my perspective, tonight a couple of those threes that he took, particularly in the first half on that right wing, he just looked really confident. He didn't look like he was thinking – caught it and knew exactly what he was doing with it from the get-go. Yeah. I mean, I think that's for a lot of freshmen um, seeing the ball go through the basket is a, you know, is huge. And I, I think in his last two games here, he's seven for 16 um, from three. And, you know, that's, you know, kind of mid forties, mid to high forties in, in terms of percentage. And that'll get any guy going, especially a guy that, that right now that's his role. Um, you know, he's, he's better when he's catching and shooting and, and what ends up kind of being his detriment and um, kind of his downfall at times is when he starts playing with the ball a little bit. I mean, he had three turnovers tonight, um, you know, so he should be making a living off catch and shoot threes, back cuts. Um, you know, he, he doesn't need to do a ton of dribbling because you've got guys on the team that, that can handle that. Um, he just needs to put himself in a position um, to score the ball and be a, threat and space the floor and I think he's done a good job of that and, and he's really you've seen his confidence bloom in the last three games um, specifically in that second half against uh, against Northwestern he just had a different type of bounce to him and um, you know his athleticism just seemed to be unlocked a little bit more and um, and I think that's something for him that that and it, it bodes well for the Illini because you got you got to think you know when you have these games of um you know, for example, if you have Andre Corbello, who is, you know, I, I thought he played a, an okay game tonight. You know, he, he had a couple of great passes and um, a couple of good finishes around the rim. You know, he's still four for 12. I think he took a couple questionable ones. But um, but when you don't get much from Jacob Grandison, you don't get much from Georgie, you know, Coleman Hawkins wasn't bad in his limited time that he was in. You know, two points, a steal, and a rebound in two minutes is, you know, about all you can ask for from him. But if Adam Miller doesn't go three for five from three, um, you know, this, this maybe is an even uglier game. Um, so I, I think having him confident, Georgie's going to have a breakout game soon. 
you know, Curbelo is going to kind of shake off the rust a little bit and kind of, I don't even want to say he's in a slump, but the past two games haven't really been indicative of what type of player he is. And then, you know, as opposed to having Adam Miller be another guy that you need to bring along, like he's there, um, you know, and he has even more that, you know, that he can bring to the table um, in terms of his consistency and and taking care of the ball. And um, so I think all that is, you know, is great for the Illini as a whole. And, um, you know, there's going to be a game here soon, hopefully next game where, where all these guys kind of figure it out on the same night. You mentioned Jacob Grandison there. I wrote prior to this Maryland game that I think he might be the key to Illinois bench and finding that seventh, eighth man off the bench and giving them that extra juice to get over the hump in a game like this. Of course, he didn't do that tonight, but in the games that he's played well, obviously Penn State, he played pretty well against Northwestern. I think he was a plus 21 in his like 12 minutes against Northwestern, which is just absurd. What have you seen him do well and what can he improve upon consistency wise to find that next level? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I, I think anyone that's playing limited minutes, um, you know, it, it's it's hard to kind of get into the flow of a game. Um you know, and what really gets him going is is crashing that offensive glass. He had a huge offensive rebound against Penn State when they were down. Um, that kept the possession alive, and they scored a bucket. He did the same thing when it was 48-41 against Northwestern. Offensive rebound, kick out three. Now they're down four. Um, and just making plays like that. I, I mean, you know, you can only do so much in six minutes of play. And and quite frankly, I'm not I'm not sure he's a guy that you want to play 20 plus minutes. Um, nothing against Jacob Grandison, but there's just, there's too many guys on the floor that you need in there. Um, you know, as opposed to keeping him on the floor. So, um, and, and those other guys too, will you know, they're tough in their own right and, and, and make winning plays. Um, you know, Grandison knows that that's, that's what keeps him in the game and that's what puts him on the floor. But the more that these other guys on the team, um, you know, can have that mentality as well. Like, you know, Grandison's fighting for his life out there because he wants any type of playing time he can get. And these other guys need to have that sense of urgency too um, and play as if your spot is not, you know, written in stone. Um, you know, and that's easier said than done. Um, we're all humans and um, it, sometimes you can't necessarily trick your brain into thinking something that it knows isn't true. Um, but, but yeah, no, I, I think he is a key and, and, and you'll have games like that, you know, Jim Grandison is not going to be the key to, to every single game, but you know, he'll be a key in those games where, you know, where he comes in and you need him, um, you know, to spark some energy and, um, and really, I, I don't, I don't think tonight was about energy. It was just more about mental lapses, uh, that the guys made and, um, and that's something that you obviously want to want to sure up before they, uh, before they take on the Buckeyes. So, Mike, we look at what's coming up for Illinois. I remember when this Big Ten schedule was released and thinking they need to go about eight and two to ten and zero. Obviously, the ten and zero and the nine and one is out of question in Illinois' first ten Big Ten games. They can still do that if they beat Nebraska. That game's on Wednesday, and then they play Ohio State on Saturday, and then next week they play. Penn State on Wednesday, assuming the Nittany Lions are able to kind of handle their COVID situation by then. Do you still believe that this team can do that eight and two kind of stretch to start the Big Ten? And how important do you think that is to them having an opportunity to go hang a banner potentially come mid-March? Uh, I mean, I think this team's capable of really virtually anything, but it's on them to 
you know, to bring that every night, I think out of, out of every team, and I, and I try to say this as objectively and unbiasedly as possible, but I think Illinois has the highest ceiling out of any team in the Big Ten, and, and I'm not sure it's really particularly close. Like, you know, when you look at a team like Iowa, you know, what you see is what you're going to get right now. Um, you know, they're not going to be much different team right now than they are in March. Um, same thing with uh, with Wisconsin and, and same thing with with Michigan. I'm, I'm, I'm not a big Michigan guy. Um, you know, I, I think that's kind of a smokescreen uh, if you ask me, but um, just because of their schedule and, and I don't think they've really been tested. But um, but but yeah, I mean, I look at this team and I look at Illinois and I, I you know, out of all the teams that are at the top of the Big Ten, they're the team that, that I think has the most to improve on which is a really cool thing to say for a team that's five and two in conference and, you know, nine and four overall um, with really not a, not a bad loss on their, on their, uh, you know, on their resume. So, um, so yeah, they're absolutely capable of achieving that. I think eight and two isn't out of the question for this, for these first 10 games. And, um, and you got to think like, this is just going to continue to be an upward trajectory for Illinois. Um, you know, even if it doesn't mean it's a win, uh, in some of these games, you know, they're continuing to learn more about themselves and these freshmen are, are learning more about themselves and what they're capable of and, and how they can help the team best, uh, you know, best to achieve a win. Um, and I think the coaching staff is learning a lot too, you know, what works, what doesn't work, ro- ro- what rotations work. Um, they certainly have the pieces to do it. Um, it's just a matter of putting all that together. Last thing I guess I've got is looking back on tonight's performance and some of the struggles that Illinois had, what's the key to them being able to put together a complete 40 minute game? Cause we've seen them struggle to do that really against Penn state, Indiana, Purdue, obviously Northwestern, they struggled in the first half and tonight, I don't really feel like they played their best at all in any sort stretch that they had against Maryland. So what's the key to getting this team to the level where they need to be before they play in Iowa or Wisconsin or another top team in the conference. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's just finding your identity and, and sticking to that. I I think last year there was no question what their identity was. They needed to guard um, because quite frankly, they weren't as talented offensively, um, you know, so they knew, Hey, we got a guard and we're going to go into this game and every game um, focusing on the defensive end. And, and, and it, you know, it resulted in 21 wins last year this year makes you know it's almost like you're what you're really really good at makes finding your identity even more difficult because they are a a potent offense um you know and and they and they do have a a solid defense too so it's you know when you try to find what your calling card is there's so much variability because you have so many good players and and guys that can make an impact so um the more games they play the closer that they will they'll be to, to figuring that out and figuring out you know, what works and, and being able to attack that, um, you know, and kind of have that serve as your North star for every game that you play in. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's what's, that's the beauty of all these big 10 games is, you know, your every big 10 game is one step closer to you finding out, you know, who you are and, and, and how you can optimize that, you know, come February and March. Well, Mike, thanks for coming on. Hopefully we can get you on after a win, maybe in the future. Appreciate it. Great insight as always. Of course, man. appreciate it. Once again, a big thank you to Mike Latula for joining us on Inside the Arc. If you want to follow Mike on Twitter, his handle is at Latula underscore Mike. And uh, he provides great insight there for Illinois basketball fans, communicates well with people on there too. So maybe you can hit him up and learn something like I do every single time I talk to Mike. He's a great 
follow and he's a great person to talk to. Next up for Illinois, they travel to Nebraska. It is on Wednesday, January 13th. Illinois will look to get back on the winning ways. I think a key part of that will be getting Trent Frazier back healthy and seeing where he's at come Tuesday, Wednesday before that game. He's so important to Illinois on the defensive end and obviously his ability to make shots and score points when they need him in big moments is huge. Anyway, thank you for listening to this episode of Inside the Arc. Please give us a subscription, a like, a review, a comment, whatever it may be. We always appreciate it. Always trying to do our best to learn more about how we can attain what our listeners are looking for. So thanks a lot for listening and uh, have a great night.